When a child is diagnosed with a serious, life-threatening illness, the entire family is affected. These stories from those families, especially when faced with challenging decisions, will move and inspire you. The parents are courageous and resilient in their determination to keep their family strong. Courageous Parents Network promotes their insights so that others may also find hope and strength. Welcome to the Courageous Parents Network podcast series. In this episode, CPN's Jennifer Seidman talks with Chelsea Klenke about the challenges and gifts of loving Craig, her brother who had Hunter syndrome. Her mother, Chris, joins her to talk about Craig's final days, the grieving process, and how Craig's legacy has impacted their careers. I'm Chris Klinky. My son, Craig, was diagnosed with MPS2. He was born in 91 and passed October 26th of 2010. I'm Chelsea Klinky. Craig was my brother, and I grew up with him, and that's all I really knew. Did you have an awareness that your brother was different? I did, and I've asked my mom before how they explained that to me, but she just said it was kind of like I just knew, and we never really had to have a conversation. I mean, we went to conferences ever since... I was little. I don't remember the first one I went to, how old I was, so I just learned from there, but I don't think we ever really had to have a conversation and sit down and say, your brother has NPS and this is what's going to happen. It just kind of was normal life for me. I don't even know if you remember that one conversation. It wasn't more about my brother's different, because that, that, we just never talked about that, and she never... I don't think she ever really felt that way, or if she did, you know, it never really came up in conversation. But when they were younger, well, they were always in different schools. It's just the way our school system was set up. And I, you know, after a time, I know that bothered her a lot because, you know, she knew he should be in her building because they were just grade wise, were really just a year apart. But we did have that one pretty tough conversation. You were only, because you were going to Trinity, so you would have only been like either first or second grade. You know, we're driving home after I picked her up. And then she just says, Mom, is Craig going to die? Laura said Craig's going to die. You know, and I'm driving the car. She's sitting behind me. That was probably just the toughest thing, you know, just my heart just sank. We just kind of had a conversation about, you know, you just never know what's going to happen in life. And yes, your brother, you know, has this diagnosis potentially that could happen, but we don't know what the outcome's going to be. And just, we need to enjoy Craig now and because we just don't know what's going to happen in the future. Did you feel like you were always Craig's nurturer? When we were growing up, I helped take care of him a lot. I just remember when I got older, like, there was one time where my two of my friends came over, and then you and Dad, I don't know where you went, but my mom and Dad went somewhere, 
and so we got to take care of them and my friends always still like bring that up which is pretty cool I really like whenever um, my friends I grew up with they remember my brother and we talk about him but I would say I took care of him but in different ways he took care of me too um, and like the lessons he taught me I think someone even last night we were part of a bereavement conference and somebody was saying that their son taught their kids more than what a professor or PhD could teach them and I pretty much agree with that I think the life lessons that my brother taught me and my family are more than anybody who has some high degree could teach us. What's the one thing or the one memory or the one attribute that Craig had that stands out to you? When we were younger, my mom was busy doing something in the computer room and uh, one of my parents' longtime friends got my brother and I a beanbag chair and so I don't know whose idea it was, but I like to bl blame my brother for it. We stole the beanbag chair from the computer room where my mom was and we brought it into the living room and then we decided to unzip it and put it under the couch and then we jumped on it and got the beans everywhere. And then, of course, my mom came in and caught us in the act. I think she took a couple pictures of us, but I think that story to me just reminds me of like how a lot of people I guess didn't really realize he could I don't ever like to say the normal phrase but like a normal child but he really was and um, we could get into a lot of trouble together. Another quick fun story though about Craig. Craig and Chelsea were outside playing you know we had a swing set we had a big garden and all this stuff so there was plenty of room for them to, to roam around and have fun and I was busy, I was on the porch, so I was right there. But Craig kept saying, Ma, Ma, the sheep, the sheep. <laughs> I'm like, Craigie, I know, the sheep are back there, you know? Because they, we just didn't do a lot with them. They just, there were our lawnmowers out there in, in their fenced area. And he just kept saying it over and over. I finally turn around and look, yeah, he was saying it because he opened the gate and let them run free. So. Was there any one thing that helped you immediately after Craig died, either of you, or any one thing now that's helping you with processing your grief? I know I struggled for a long time. Um, just trying to figure out who am I because that was my job you know that's what I did I, I took care of Craig and then all of a sudden that's not your job anymore and you know just trying to figure out who I was and everybody has different life circumstances and Brian and I just chose to get married young we had kids right away and there were several times I wanted to go back to school and the opportunity just was never there. And all of a sudden, I have all this time, but just mentally, you know, I just couldn't do it, you know. And and that was, I felt like the time that Chelsea, she was a senior in high school when Craig passed away. And so, you know, that that was her time to shine, her time, you know, that she figuring out what she needed to do and I mean I did a few jobs here and there because I 
couldn't just sit at home all the time because that's all I would do is cry and you know, that's not good for somebody. I, I knew that I needed to get out there and do something. I guess it was the end of the year last year in like October, I had applied for a different job. Well, I didn't get that position, but I was able to share about my experience with MPS Society with Craig during that interview. And as chance would have it, just about six weeks after that interview and they you know, had chosen someone else, the executive director called and said, our person that works in youth services and transition, she's retiring after 25 years and I think you would be perfect for this job. Will you come in and interview? And you know, so I came in and talked to her and they're like, yep, you know, you're the person for this job. So you know, now I get to work with youth that are aged 14 through age 21 in that transition age and you know some are more severely um, you know cognitively impaired others you know not quite but it's just kind of cool how you know, my experience with Craig got me that job. Do you feel like your experience with Craig has guided what you've done? After I finished college I think I started to just understand more about what I wanted to do and just thinking about um, like our life circumstances with Craig really brought me to where I'm now in social work because I just remember like thinking back to when Craig was always in the hospital or just like things growing up. I don't ever really remember our family getting help from a social worker like I know there were obviously social workers there but we just didn't have that and so I kind of decided that I wanted to go into social work and eventually I would like to work more with siblings who have a brother or sister with disabilities just because I don't think there's a lot of support out there for siblings. What advice you would you give another sibling who gets that question like, do you have brothers and sisters? It's really hard when people have the question of do you have siblings or do you have children because Craig still is very much a part of our family but I think a lot of times not that people forget it but it's like sometimes it hurts because a lot of our family doesn't bring him up so when you have family members that don't bring him up like it's just really hard to convey that to other people or I think sometimes too it's like hard because Instead of thinking about yourself and how you want to share him with other people, you think, well, gosh, like this is going to be really awkward or I'm going to make them upset instead of thinking this is a chance to share my brother with other people and share the happiness he brought our family. You're thinking about, well, what if it makes this person uncomfortable? When I was going to school my first year, I know my mom would say my first year was kind of I don't know if disaster is a good word, but it was it was really hard. I, I remember when I first went to school, I was getting to know people and was good at not really talking about my brother just because it was so fresh and it was I was still working through it. I was so young. I didn't really know how to kind of go through those emotions. There was one point where my mom took me to the doctor and told me I needed to like push through and talk about what I was going through. And I think just like recognizing at that time the hurt and the hard times and not having that support. I know I was like really mad and frustrated with you, but getting pushed to just find support was helpful. And then 
just as years went on, I got more comfortable talking about Craig. I think sometimes it still is hard to bring up, you know, my brother's Craig. He's my older brother. He's not with us here anymore, but he is still in our family. Just time helped make it more comfortable and trying to remember that it's not about making the person uncomfortable. It's just about bringing up those memories and having a chance to share my brother and how he affected our family. When she went off to college, it was still so fresh for all of us. Fortunately, college wasn't super far away, but still, she was living on campus and away from us, and we were still trying to deal with our own grief. She was at that age where I feel like she really fell through the cracks because she was 17, a senior in high school, and, you know, I think the NIH kids at the high school drew her, it was a beautiful card, you know, they drew, somebody drew some nice card and they all signed it. And, you know, she was out of school for a week and then she came back and, but there was nothing there. There was no counselor. Do you guys struggle with the passage of time now? How do you see that? I think the passage of time is like harder now just because we're coming up on nine years and it's hard to think about it's been that long because sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday and sometimes it feels like, oh yeah, it was nine years ago. For me personally, time is harder just because I kind of spoke on it a little bit earlier, but um, sometimes it's harder for like family to mention Craig or to bring up his name or even at family gatherings. I know they're not doing it on purpose, but they are like, oh, well, this person is missing, but then they don't say, well, Craig's not here. And so just with like time passing, it's harder because sometimes I fear like people will forget Craig. And I know it's sometimes a silly fear, but it feels real at the time. And there's more pressure to bring, bring up him and bring up his memory because I don't want people to forget because I know we we're not gonna forget like it's it's our part of our life and sometimes it feels like people are gonna forget. People don't realize that every single day I think about Craig, Chelsea thinks about Craig, and I'm walking through a store and I it still brings tears to my eyes when I walk past the boys section. I mean he was 18 but he was small and so that's where I would shop for him. And every day there's little triggers that make you think about your own child. And that's what's hard, you know, like she said, with the passage of time that I don't want people to forget. And I know that was pretty recent. We were um, at a family Christmas and my sister-in-law's like, oh, everybody's here but Josh. And it's like, no, not everybody's here because they wanted to take a family picture. So that's usually the time where we pull out a picture of Craig. The picture of Craig is going to be in the picture because he is still part of our family. I know I would have benefited from listening to your story when Ben was still alive to sort of help myself get ready if you can. When you have a child with a terminal diagnosis, you're always thinking about that, but you feel like it's taboo to talk about. And I would have benefited hearing another person's story because I thought, is there something wrong with me? You know, we would 
we drive into town and drive past a funeral home. Is that the funeral home mm -hmm. that we're, you know, gonna call? I don't know. And a song would come on the radio. Is this a song that we want to play? But then I kind of would beat myself up thinking, I'm not even supposed to be thinking these things, but, but yet you do need to prepare. You know that that's gonna happen. And when that moment happens and you have to plan this funeral service or celebration of life, whatever you wanna do, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of an idea of what you wanna do. Cause you also, you're remembering your loved one at that moment. Probably for the last nine months of his life, he started getting blisters, usually on his wrist. That's where we first noticed it. We were around medical people all the time. We had his nurse who knew him very well. I took him to the pediatrician, you know, just trying to figure out what's going on with these blisters. They would just pop up and then they would break and then, you know, we'd have to carefully bandage them and take care of them. And they would just pop up unexpectedly and I felt like he probably was in a lot more pain than what he had been before. I guess that was sort of a sign that maybe his body was kind of starting to break down and, and weaken. We were all at home and my birthday is October 22nd. My husband's birthday is October 25th. That particular year, October 25th, was on a Monday. So that weekend, we did go out to eat as a family, which was tough in itself because Craig had a feeding tube and that was put in unexpectedly, but that always made it a lot more difficult for us anyway, just to eat in front of them. But, you know, we eventually kind of worked through that and figured out a system on how to handle that. And so for our birthdays, we had gone out and I remember the waitress coming up to take our order. Well, Craig, you know, at that point, because he wasn't feeling real well a lot of the time, you know, he just didn't interact a whole lot, but he just kind of lit up and he was smiling and just kind of wanting to interact a little bit. So I'm like, go away, you know, to the waitress. We're not ready to order yet. We need to kind of soak this in here a little bit. So we, you know, kind of had that fun little moment. And then, so October 25th was on a Monday and I'm on a mixed bowling league and our nurse was going to have to leave at like 6 p.m. And since it was dad's birthday, Chelsea had offered, hey, you know, because the nurse would have bathed him and pretty much got him ready. And, and Chelsea obviously knew how to take care of him, but we never wanted to put that full responsibility on her. But she had offered to watch him for a couple hours till we would come home. And I think you were actually working on one of your college essays, writing about your hero, if I'm not mistaken who is her brother. So she kind of gave us that night to go out and she called us on the way home because he had an explosion <laughs> that needed to be taken care of. I said, you know, we'll, we'll handle it. We're close to home. And so we got home and I mean, everything felt pretty normal. Um, we got him cleaned up, ready for bed. You know, the little doggy came in and Ella Praise, you know, told him good night. And, we put him to bed and he was 
one that he liked to cuddle and touch and hug, but he also, when it came to sleep, he wanted his own space. And so he had this big queen-size bed, and then we had a recliner in his room that we would hang out in. We also had a monitor. Chelsea's room was right next to Craig's, so we could watch him on the video monitor. And that particular night, neither one of us, for whatever reason, actually slept in his room. We woke up a couple times through the night. I mean, the last time I can remember was probably around 12.30 to check on him, and his pulse ox, you know, all that was reading fine, and then we went off to sleep, and my husband gets up really early in the morning for work. First thing he would always do would check on Craig, and and he went in to check on him, and just, I, I'll just never forget his voice, you know, I'm sleeping, and he's in you know, we have a story and a half, so our bedroom was upstairs, Craig's was downstairs, but it's real open, and just the sound of my husband's voice, you know, yelling, because he knew that Craig had already passed. I mean, that's a little difficult, I guess, to think that we weren't right there with him. I feel like that's how he wanted it, or that's how it needed to be. Thank you for listening. For more stories and conversations, as well as videos, downloadable guides, and decision-making resources in English and Spanish, visit CourageousParentsNetwork.org. CPN is available 24-7 for parents and providers as they strive to provide the best care for the child and the entire family.